Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome to the pre-match social. I'm your host Omar. Uh, I'm back with not the boys, but just the boy, Mr. Sam Cleary. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your commitment to the cause. The other two have uh, have cried off. Apparently, got a cold. Uh, that's that's me doing inverted commas there. If for you guys, well, all of you guys can't obviously see me because it's audio only. But yeah, apparently both of them got uh, colds and too much work on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they couldn't couldn't make it. So we've had to record this on a on a Friday. Uh, but Sam, the hero of the years has joined me to talk all things Villa. Uh, hopefully, I have a packed show for you as well. A lot has has happened um, over the last week or so. Uh, we obviously had the the post match rant. Uh, following the Man United game and some excellent, excellent, um, uh, excellent discussion points there raised by the guys, including Sam himself. Um, some great uh, insight into the atmosphere uh, as well at Man United with, with Danny's voice note as well, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, the fact you had to record it twice because it was so loud uh, is, is great. Uh, but Sam, how, how are you anyway before we start? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm uh, I'm just a little bit disappointed that because of childcare issues, uh, I'm struggling to get to Tottenham on Sunday. Um, oh, so, no. uh, it's not far I'll, for you, is it really? No, it's not that far. I think it, the way things are looking, I'm going to be watching it by the uh, wonder of Hess goal. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, which is a shame because I've never been to their stadium. Oh, there's the bell. <laughs> <laughs> never been to their stadium. Uh, and uh, I want to see this, um, the beer that pours from the bottom up. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, really yeah. dying to see that, uh, you know, live. But I'll just have to wait till next season, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, no. No, definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a big shame. First away game for me was, was Spurs away as well. So it's a definitely game I would have liked to have gone. But unfortunately, it's my uh, daughter's birthday party. So I definitely can't make it. Uh, I don't think I'll be in the wife's good books if I missed that. But um, we'll talk about Spurs, obviously, uh, on, on today's pod, uh, amongst other things. Uh, we've got the normal normal uh, setup here. So let's start with the with the beginning and start with the, the latest news from Villa. It's from the stands of Villa Park. So... Uh, a bit of news uh, just come out today. Uh, apparently, that um, the the players who are travelling to red list countries, red zone countries, have all been double jabbed, and it's been confirmed that they can return uh, and don't have to quarantine. So they'll be available for the Wolves game. So that's, I think it's Martinez, Buendia, or Louise, and Camber. I think uh, I'm not sure if Buendia has been picked actually. From memory, he hasn't been picked. No, uh, but yeah, Louise. Martinez and Nakamba, I think, are the three that were mentioned. So, great news for Villa. Obviously, still the travel involved, not ideal, but the fact they're not missing an important game against the Wolves is uh, it's pretty good news, isn't it, Sam? Uh, yeah, it's fantastic, that. Um, and I think that, you know, we've said before, haven't we, Jed Steers, he's never let us down. We all remember the uh, playoff final heroics, but when you've, ju- when you've had a keeper for, uh, for like Martinez in nets for a season and a bit, uh, you know, I mean, the the, the levels, the levels are, that he's taken us to are, are, are unreal, and um, I think that now we really do notice the difference when when Steer's back in there. So, you know, we of course he's a he's an Argentinian international. He'd been international for whatever country he was playing. He was uh, he you know he happened to be from. He's that good. Um, so you know. He's, we have to accept that we're going to lose him, but obviously we want to lose him for as few uh, weekends as possible. So I think this is a great compromise and, and a good result. Louise, similarly, you know, he's he's been excellent in the engine room for us this season. Uh, off the back of obviously, a, he's he's played a full summer of football, but you wouldn't know it to look at him. He's, he's you know high energy stuff in the middle of the park, and he's right at it. So similarly, you know, not surprised that he's he's off playing for Brazil, um, but you know sensibly we're not going to be losing him for, for too long but you know we might talk a bit more about him later he's he's he started really well yeah he's been absolutely fantastic and uh, that, that midfield engine room as you as you mentioned has been key a key in the reason why we've managed to turn the not the season around because obviously it's, we're hardly into a season really we're only a few games in but just the mood and the and the shift now of the team the morale the positivity around the place has been massive um, other news, um, so Ollie Watkins and Tyra Minks being called up to the England squad. No uh, no Esri Konza. Bit of a surprise with Ollie Watkins being called up, I think. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same. And again, a bit of a surprise that Konza hasn't yet made the squad. 
I, I know that um, Southgate's a fan of Oli. You know, he likes his front running. I think, um, and uh, obviously, when he was watching him last season, Oli was getting amongst the goals. Um, I, I think we. I, I, I think that Oli needs to recapture the form of last year. He's not quite there yet, and so for that reason, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised at his inclusion. Um, no surprise with Mings. We've talked before about how he naturally fits the kind of left side of a three option. Um, he's never let England down. He was fantastic in the games that he played uh, in the Euros. Um, and, you know, he, he obviously did make that error against Chelsea, but since then he's been brilliant. He's been back to his uh, real high standards that he, that he can set. So I'm not surprised about him. I am a little bit surprised about Oli, but I do think it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable when you've been watching concert be so consistent um, he loves defending, doesn't he? You know, we, we we've agreed that he isn't perhaps the best with the ball at his feet and, and playing out from the back, but he loves defending. His positional sense is uh, absolutely outstanding, and uh, he's a threat from set pieces. I, 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 is he is he a worse player than than Tamori? I, I I think he's better than Tamori personally, and I think we, we might have another Matty Cash situation on our hands if uh, he doesn't get international football sooner rather than later. Um, I'm sure Poland would fancy him, but I think uh, Portugal is more a more likely uh, option for our Esri. Um, but he's, yeah. he's every, he looks every inch the international footballer when I watch him. You know, he's composed, he's cool, great positional sense. He's never phased. It doesn't matter who he's playing. Um, so you know, I, I can definitely see him fit, getting into the Portugal setup. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think there's a, I think there's a I think there's a place there for him. Um, the, the school bell going there again, Sam. It means maybe it's time for our maybe it's our time for our pod to end. Maybe that's what they're saying. Um, but yeah, no, he's been fantastic. I think he's just a Rolls Royce of a defender. Um, he's been likened to McGrath, obviously by by many people, including I think AJ mentioned it last year. Uh, maybe yourself as well, Sam. Um, and I, I definitely see similarities. Obviously, not the same level yet, but you know, definitely that kind of defending comes naturally to to the guy. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to exert too much effort. To defend well, it's sort of he's sort of embedded in him almost. It's like a human nature for him almost. So you know, I'm sure his time will come. I'm sure you know he's Dino said that he's on he's on the thought he's on the thoughts of of Southgate. So hopefully he just needs to continue to work hard and, and he'll make it. But yeah, good news, good news for Oli and and, and Tyron anyway. Um, other news stories of the, of the week so far: a couple of good results. So for our under 23s, eight nil against Stoke. Um, which we'll touch on in a second, and the, the uh, women's team as well re- continue to remain undefeated uh, after obviously a season last year where they just about survived, which was all it was always going to be a difficult, um, always going to be a difficult season, wasn't it? Was Sam for them last year coming up for the division below and that the sort of the, as we talked about before the gap between the WSL and the and division below is, is pretty massive, but this season so far to remain unbeaten, beat Brighton one nil. In the last game, uh, I rode their luck a little bit, um, but you know, kept kept the clean sheet. Uh, again, the goalkeeper, excellent performance. Again, young goalkeeper, and then uh, getting the uh, getting the winner as well. And then I think we've got Arsenal on Saturday um, at Villa Park. So um, if any fans can make that, I'm certainly going to try. Uh, it'd be great to go watch watch them continue their their unbeaten run. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think. Um you know, like you say, coming up, I suppose it mirrors the, the, the senior men's side in many ways. Um, it's all about finding your feet at that level, isn't it? And uh, I think there's been a couple of really, really, uh, you know, sort of savvy recruitments uh, over the close season. And it's and it's just propelled us to that level where we're, you know, even more competitive. So that is, yeah, it's great to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully the... Um, the, the, similarly with the uh, with the men's team, the, the crowds will start increasing and the support will start snowballing as they uh, as the results improve. And um, you know, uh, I think yeah, we'd, we'd all love to see that. And uh, and with the youth as well, it, it's great. You know, so it doesn't matter what level uh, you know side we're putting out at the moment. We, we seem to be competitive. And and you know, if that's a kind of uh, club culture or just really excellent decision making and strategizing that's kind of permeating through the club you love to see it don't you you know there seems to be a sense and a plan in everything that's happening at the club now whereas it was all just a little bit kind of uh, you know sticking plasters and a bit random uh, you know it was certainly with Dr Tony and and even before (laughs) that so you know it's really really good to see what's happening at the moment yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I completely echo those thoughts, mate. Um, 
I think, I mean, with the with the women's team, we've seen a lot of turnover of, of players, and I think that had to be done. Uh, even this season had to be done. But you know, Gail Neck, who, who's come in, the star striker, scored obviously against Brighton. That's an, that's a great signing. That's the type of signing they want to be making. Um, and it's similar to the first team, as you mentioned. You know, they're sort of adding that quality now, finally. Um, and and the under twenty threes, you know, those players that scored Ram, Aaron Ramsey, Philogene Bidet, the two Chetwell Meckham brothers, they're just obviously too good for that level. Mm. And they're not they're knocking on the door now, I think, for for that first team squad as well. So great to see, just positive really. <laughs> There's not not much more you can say than that. Just just positive. It's brilliant, isn't it? And and I think that you know, we obviously Jacob Ramsey's been the uh, the kind of story, I guess, of the first few games of the season. He's you know he's really increased his levels. He looks absolutely comfortable in that midfield um, and you know he's, he's been man of the match or, or sort of close to man of the match a couple of times and you've got to think that you know if you're the youth prospect and you're kind of in the first team squad but then there's other kids who are absolutely smashing it in the other 23s and they're, they're, they're knocking on the door as well and they're, they're just pushing him aren't they because if he can't if he's not you know doing more than uh, Carney's managing then Carney usurps him. He takes that place in the squad, and, and I think that's driving him. You know, and it's great to see. It's 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 so encouraging to have that number of players that actually you think I can. You know, I can really see you being a feature in the squad for you know for, for years to come. And I think that you know when we had those, those are the youngsters: Callum O'Hare, Jake Doyle, Hayes. Uh, who else was in that squad? Um, uh, it was a few, wasn't there? Um, yeah. Rushan Hepburn, yeah. you know, they, they, but they never quite looked when they came into the first team. Obviously, Jake excluded from this. When they came <laughs> into the first team, they didn't quite look like they were at that level, and you know, they went out on loan, and it never really happened for any of them, did it? O'Hare's doing a great job at Cov. You know, Jake's doing well, well for Hibs. They're all going to make good careers, um, but with these lads, I think it's different. I think it, I'm not sure they need a loan. They're ready for the first team. They can do bits. You know. Watching Cameron Archer come on against Man U when we need a goal, uh, you know, I thought that said it all, didn't it? You know, this, we trust him to actually come on and change this game against a team stuffed full of the very best players in the world. It, it, I think it's just a step change. It's just a different level. And, um, and it's great to see. Uh, but I do think that you're right. They're too good for that level. They're going to be knocking out those sorts of scorelines every week. Uh, and um, yeah, I think it's a, it, whilst it bodes well, um, you know, managing their development from under 23 into first team regular is not going to be that easy. And I think it's a key challenge for, for Smith & Co. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's a good problem to have. But great problem to have. Great yeah, problem I'm really excited. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, but good challenge. And with all that good news comes the awards nominations as well. So last bit of news uh, from me is that uh, obviously Dino has been nominated for the September Manager of the Month Award. He got it last year. Um, not with last season even uh, but yeah uh, another chance for him to get that and I think he's in the running for that as well I think he's a strong contender for that one uh, Cash Matty Cash is nominated for the goal of the month competition for his strike against uh, Everton mm-hmm. and uh, a trio from the women's team have been nominated for uh, awards as well uh, so I'm trying to think now I'm trying to remind, remind what's happened yeah so obviously Carla Ward's been nominated for manager of the manager of the month uh, because obviously it'll be unbeaten start player of the month uh, Remy Allen from obviously signing for Leicester City she's been nominated for player of the month and the goal of the month uh, Sarah Mailing as well for a, for a free kick has been nominated as well so again great to see across all levels their nominations coming in and uh, yeah very 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 positive uh, and on that note let's move on to hero and villain of the week so uh, this week Carl's literally phoned it in um, so I know I know I was abusing him earlier on, but he actually did fair play to him, make the effort of putting together a little snippet of his hero and villain of the week, mainly because he didn't want me to win hero of the week. I think that was the main reason why he was happy to do it. He wanted to make sure I didn't get an award because you know that yes that that was mooted last episode. You know if I got outrageous, the you're definitely my hero of the week. Thanks, I? mate. I appreciate you. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate you. I'm sure I'm sure the listeners feel the same as well. But here it is. Here's uh, Carl's hero and villain of the week. Hello everyone, um, apologies first for literally phoning this in, um, I, um, I've got a bit of some sort of super cold, um, so apologies, um, 
But um, start with Hero of the Week. Actually had quite a lot of um, nominees for this, I think. Um, you could give it to any one of the the away supporters that went to Stamford Bridge and Old Trafford, who were to a man, or it sounded um, brilliant um, as ever. Our away support it was was excellent. Um, could have given it to Emmy Martinez for his unbelievable shithousery um, by um, completely um, taking away all of Bruno Fernandez's manhood by um, suggesting Ronaldo was a lunatic to not take the penalty, and then after the miss, um, did a lovely little jig right in the faces of my new fans which was excellent um but um there was also a, a ridiculous suggestion that omar should get it um for suggesting that the fact that we might beat uh manu or predicting we would beat them um i'm not going to do that um i predicted it um albeit not, not on the pod but on a drive down to cambridge on saturday morning i predicted that we'd win and i'm not going to give it to myself um so omar certainly not going to get it um i'm actually giving it to courtney house for two brilliant performances um against chelsea in the cup and and against manu um when lukaku come on for chelsea um I thought he was going to completely turn the game, he was going to bully us, but House was brilliant against him and there was a really, really good challenge um, towards the end of the second half, um, which I was surprised the ref didn't just give a penalty um, to them. Um, so he was excellent in that game and then after that, after pocketing Lukaku, he went to Old Trafford and didn't give Ronaldo uh, a kick um, all game um, and scored the winner. Um, we was discussing whether we was unfortunate to to actually um, not start the season once we'd gone to a three-man um, defence. Um, but um, I think he's taking his chance now, and I do love Twan Zavi, but I'd be very surprised if he doesn't um, if he doesn't start House tomorrow. Um, so yeah, Courtney House gets here of the week for me. Um, villain of the week. Um, I mean. If I could, I would give it to Mike Dean again, um, just for actually living up to his um, Hero of the Week last week, where we knew he was going to give them a penalty. Um, although, I'm not too sure. I think if if it was... I'd want it if it was um, if it was for us, but, um, I mean, it was he was undoubtedly going to give it. Although, although, actually, it looks like from... Um, it looks like he didn't actually give it and it was the linesman because um, he did delay it quite a bit and he seemed to suggest that it wasn't him that did it. Um, I'm actually going to give Villain of the Week to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, he's a woeful football manager. Um, his complaining after the game about our players um, delaying the taking of the penalty. Um which is ridiculous, a man new manager complaining about um, uh, about players trying to uh, illegally, quote-unquote, um, sort of delay or alter a game by um, the dark arts, by performing the dark arts. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous in itself. Him suggesting Ali Watkins was offside is absolutely ridiculous. Um, he was... In the area of the goalkeeper, he was somewhere near him. But actually, when the header came in, the goalkeeper, um, Van der Sar, had a clear view of it, and and Watkins was nowhere near him at this stage. Um, so it, I'm going to give it to Ali Gunnar Solskjaer just for his um, pissing and moaning uh, after the game, and um, his failure to just accept that we were the better team, um, and and we were we were uh, much the better team. Um, yeah, um, I, I I noticed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't mention um, the fact that um, Lingard was in an offside position when Ronaldo um, scored his uh, bi-weekly um, tap-in. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, I hope I'm back for the next part. I'm sure I will. I'm sure all our lovely listeners can't wait for me to be back. So. All right, bye.
Right, Sam. So uh, a nice, nice, nice little ramble from uh, from Carl there as ever. Uh, some interesting points there on Hero of the Week. Uh, I think Martinez came very close uh, for his dancing and his uh, theatrics. Uh, but yeah, he's given it to House, who I think is, is fully deserved. He's had a good couple of weeks, House, hasn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, in the team, he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant. Another another lad who just loves defending, doesn't he? You know, um, when um, Lukaku came on in the in the cup game, you're thinking, oh gosh. But I think House thought, yeah, bring him on. You know, I'd love to lock horns with him. Um, I thought the 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 number of touches that Ronaldo had in comparison to the other uh, games he's played since he returned to the Man United side said it all. You know, he just couldn't. They couldn't get him on the ball. Uh, and that's because our back three, including Howe, stuck to the task so so determinedly. Um, and, you know, I think we've got an option, haven't we, to extend his contract. Um, and I just I just don't know why you wouldn't take that option up. He's, he's fantastic. He's always been solid when he's stepped in to the side. And if anything, I think he's probably playing the best football of his career at the moment. And, you know, if he... I, I absolutely would pick him for Spurs. I, I wouldn't change... Um, the team. I wouldn't bring Twanzebe back in. I think that you know there will be a, a role for Twanzebe. Whether it, whether that could be at wing back, could be uh, you know even at uh, central defensive midfield. But at the moment, I just think why would you change a formula that is absolutely ideal to go to uh, grounds like Old Trafford and White Hart Lane um, to go and get a result. So uh, you know keep housing the side for me. He's he's doing brilliantly. Let's reward his good form. And also his absolutely brilliant attitude, because as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong, Omar, he's never agitated for a move. He's never complained about not being in the side. He's just got on with it. Absolutely brilliant example. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. That attitude point is one thing I wanted to raise. You know, I don't know if you saw his post-game comments, but the fact he was saying, you know, we're Aston Villa, we've got some great players. We should be expecting to come here and, and get something. That's the type of team we're on. That's the kind of attitude you want. And, you know, he's always come in, done a job. He's never moaned because he's, he's done that so many times. He's come in for Mings, he's done a job and he's gone, come back out of the side when Mings has come back in. And that speaks volumes. And I think in terms of the whole squad as well, I think the levels have been raised massively because there's so much competition now, which we haven't really had. I mean, even last year, we only had really 14, 15 players who you could count on I think and this year we've probably got 18, 19 maybe more um, plus the youth players as well coming in so I think that just it bodes well really for us and obviously it's a, it can be a bit of a headache as the season goes on if players are not getting a look in then the headaches do start but for this pre- at this present time the players are all chomping under the bit even the wingers Bailey, Buendia uh, Truro, you know Galgazi they still have an influence on games and they've, they've had influences from the they've influenced games from the bench as well so I'm sure they're happy for the for this present time and I'm sure they get the chance because I, I don't think I don't know about you but I don't think we'll play 3-5-2 throughout the whole season I think we will we'll have to mix it up now and again and that will probably mean personnel changing but also there'll be injuries and suspensions as well I agree and I, and I also wouldn't be surprised if some of that 100 million quid burning a hole in uh, Dino's pocket will be invested in January if we're in touch you know um, so and I think that um, that you know that at the moment, given the personnel and given the fact that it's nice to be able to get uh, Ollie and uh, Ings into the side, and given the fact that we've got such a brilliant set of centre halves, three five two works well. But you know, it, 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 there's no, it's not beyond beyond the realms of possibility that an extra, you know, player of really high quality to go into the first team means that four three three starts to work again, or four two three one, like we played with uh, Joe Grealish on the left. So. Yeah, I think um, I, I think it's you're absolutely right. We won't probably play this formation all season. It's working well at the moment. I think it particularly works well with away games uh, against high quality opposition. Um, but yeah, they're all gonna they're all gonna get a look in, aren't they? Um, and like you say, you know, players who were probably looking at like they were going to play most games, like El Ghazi, they're on the fringes. But we saw it last season. El Ghazi came in, didn't he? He, he was looking like he was getting not bombed out because I don't think that's Dean's style. But he was he was on the fringes, and then he comes in. He scores a penalty. He gets a goal against West Brom, I think it was at the back stick, and all of a sudden he's back in the in, in the frame. And I think that that's the way Smith manages the squad, and that's absolutely right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Completely. Completely agree. And uh, yeah. No. I, I I can't really add any more to that. One. Well, obviously, one uh, name that Carl mentioned was Martinez there, and I, I did enjoy the 
his little mind games. And there was a good thread on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but it was talking about how, I think it was on The Athletic as well, about how all that type of stuff, getting players' faces, making movements before the penalty is taken, making yourself big, you know, all that type of stuff. That psychology is so important. It does make a difference. Uh, but just wanted to touch on Martinez quickly. We talked about this on the on the Villa View yesterday. Was uh, you know who, who is Emmy Martinez, the best keeper we've had in the Premier League era? And uh, in terms of a stat, just for you, uh, Emmy Martinez has got the the highest clean sheet percentage record of any keeper at Villa in the Premier League, with forty one point eight six percent. Second is Mark Bosnich with thirty seven point seven eight percent. And for many people, Brad Friedel, who's one of uh, probably for most fans, one of Villa's best keepers in the Premier League era is actually in fifth with 30.7%. It's quite surprised me. Where where would you rank, Emmy, amongst all those different names? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Bosnich uh, obviously was a legend. When I when I first started going down the villa, it was uh, kind of um, the end of Spink and the start of Bosnich. And, uh, you know, he was young, he was a bit of a lad. Uh, and, you know, he, he was a, a, a real, he was cat-like, wasn't he? Fantastic shot stopper at times. Um, whereas I think his distribution was a bit iffy. Um, and then you've got Friedel, who, interestingly, I can't really think of that many outstanding saves Friedel made, but he was brilliant at coming for crosses. He, was, he had great command of the area and his distribution was good. So I just think Martinez has got the whole package, you know, as well as some of that kind of, uh, as well as some of that kind of shithousery that we all like to see. Uh, and also, you know, the, when they were asking him about coming to Villa from Arsenal and he said, you know, Villa's a big club mate and, it, and he doesn't feel like it's a step down. I just think that um, as well as what he's doing on the pitch, he seems to really get the club, you know, and, and for me, that's, that, 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 that elevates him. I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. There's no good. If we can keep hold of Emmy, and obviously based on what he said, uh, you know, he's obviously got a contract for a, a couple more years left at, at least. Um, there's no reason to think that we're going to lose him. Um, he could be an absolute legend for this club, you know, because goalkeepers go on and on, as you know, and, and, and if we can keep, up, keep hold of him, uh, I think he'll be a real, real legend because he's just fantastic. He's, you know, he's got a, a great attitude. He's an amazing shot stopper. I reckon he sets really high standards in training, you know. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, Bozzy's my one of my heroes as well. But I think Emmy's right up there. And if he has another good season, then he's been consistent for for a couple of seasons now in the Villa shirt at a very high level. So he's got to be there or thereabouts, definitely. Um, we haven't really talked too much about the Man United game. Uh, villain of the week for Carr was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which didn't surprise me at all. Um, what did you make of a couple of incidents I wanted to, to mention? One was obviously the goal. In terms of the offside, so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. But also, one thing that Ollie didn't mention was obviously John McGinn versus Harry Maguire, the foul that wasn't given, and potentially a yeah. red card that wasn't given as well. Albeit, obviously, maybe, maybe would have made it, maybe he wouldn't have. I'm not too sure. But what did you make of those two incidents and Ollie's comments after the after the game? Well, it was it was interesting because um, when the when House scored the header, the first thing I would say is I didn't notice. When the header went in, it didn't occur to me at the time that Ollie could have been offside because obviously you're watching the cross go over. Howes gets his head to it. It goes sort of in the top corner and Ollie's not really featuring because all you can see is De Gea diving, right? Um, and the fact that none of the players really, there wasn't really much appealing going on from the players, was there? You know, De Gea wasn't going nuts or whatever. Um, and that made me think that there was just nothing in it. But then, actually, uh, you know, when they when I watched it back and the, and they showed that he had to sort of push him out of the way, uh, that you know, it, it, I suppose you could compare that to when Watkins was getting fouled by Ogbonna uh, and then ended up getting, you know, being offside. I mean, the fact that he had to push him away meant that his weight was just kind of shifted to one side, and then he's looking at what's going on with the cross. I just wonder if that was happening, if, if that had happened at the other end, how happy I would be with that not being given offside. I'm not sure. It is clear from the freeze frame that by the time Howes actually touches the ball, uh, Ollie's out of the way, De Gea's focused on the header, and he was never going to save it. I just think it's a really tricky one, and I would, I would have a lot more sympathy with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, view on that if it had, you know, 
said that his own goal against uh, Villarreal in the week should have been called offside because uh, who was it anyway that was lying down next Lingard, to the Lingard, I think. It was Lingard. Yeah, so, you know, the keeper can't get to the shot because he's, you know, trying to negotiate the obstacle that is Jesse Lingard. And obviously, uh, Solskjaer didn't say anything about that. So I, I, I've got less time for, uh, for his complaints in the, in the light of what happened midweek. I, d- I just think it's a marginal decision. How many calls, you know, we had calls go against us last year. That one went for us. But I think the most important thing is, if you go into the dressing room, if you're Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, you go into the Man United dressing room after the game and you have your debrief, if you're stood there in front of the players saying, we lost because of the ref, you're a liar and you're a charlatan. You know, because the reason that they lost that football match is because Villa created more clear-cut chances, had more intensity and actually wanted the result more than they did. And that's the end of it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, think I can't. And one thing I, I took away from that match and also the Chelsea match that we drew and the Chelsea match that we lost and the Everton game to some degree. Everton game is slightly different, I think, because that was a bit of a different game. But definitely those games is... I've seen us beat the big teams before and, and it calls an upset or two. But I've never seen us be so dominant in terms of with the ball and the way that we play and how we impose ourselves on games than I have done in these last couple of weeks because you know, we beat Man United back in 2009 uh, but it was very much not a smash and grab you know, because you know, we still had a couple of the chances but very much they dominated the game and they had more of the chances whereas I think this game and even the Chelsea game we lost 3-0 you know, I've, I've just, I just can't believe how well we're playing as a team and, and this formation obviously is, is allowing to get us to get the best out of certain players as well um, mm. two players that I want to pick out is, is Matty Cash and, and Dougie Louise um, who, who Dougie Louise especially who we've mentioned already um, you know I think both of them have been fantastic I think John McGinn as well has been fantastic Jacob Ramsey has been fantastic Danny Ings has been fantastic so many good players but definitely Matty yep. Cash and de- definitely Matty Cash and uh, Dougie Louise so Dougie Louise in, in September alone has got two assists eight key passes 15 ground duels won and seven tackles and interception. So a really a, a sort of a, a total performance from him, uh, all-round performance, because obviously against Everton, he was pushing forward. Um, against uh, Man United and Chelsea, he's played more of the defensive game and been that sort of linchpin at the back there, allowing McGinn and Ramsey to go forward. How impressed have you been with him this season? I think he's been fantastic. And uh, um, one of the, you know, I, I suppose... The stats sound great, but sometimes what the stats can't quite tell you is, you know, whether a pass that was made was a kind of 80% pass, you're always going to make it, or whether it's a 20% pass, it's a sort of slide rule and and, and most players wouldn't have made the pass, you know. And I think that that Dougie is, is, A, his decision-making is really improved in terms of when to try the the tough ball, the, the threaded ball, and when to kind of keep recycling it. But those passes that he made, there was that through ball uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, well, and, and he was doing it against Chelsea as well. I just think his ability to win the ball and quickly put us in transition onto the front foot with some really, really smart passing. Um, I think it's it's elevated his game uh, and also it's made us much more of an attacking threat. And as you rightly say, sometimes he's doing it from a more advanced position and against Everton, you know, he's getting forward a bit more. And sometimes he's doing it from the kind of quarterback position. But I think that just shows that he's, you know, carries on developing the way he's going. He can be the complete midfielder. I'd like to see him perhaps add a goal or two, if I'm honest. Um, I think I watched his home debut against Bournemouth where he's smashed one into the top corner and you're thinking, oh, hello. Um, but yes, yeah, I'd like to see perhaps a few more of those. But he's been brilliant, you know, and... Um, we all we all saw the progress in uh, Project Restart, and I think we were just expecting last season to be a kind of linear progression. But it happens with young players, you know, where they have a little bit of a dip before they get going again. I mean, we saw it with Grealish, um, and hopefully now it's just going to be solid improvement, um, and he's going to keep these levels going for the whole season. And if he can, and if McGinn can, who's been unbelievable, he's been just all action box to box getting stuck in making things happen being an absolute menace to the opposition if he can keep doing that I I really do think we can we can beat the 55 points that we that we got last year Um, and we forgot to mention that foul yeah the the Maguire foul it's an absolute travesty that that wasn't given Um, and yeah no surprise that uh, Solskjaer wasn't too keen to talk about that because that's a red card for me you know um, because 
He didn't. People, I think a lot of my new fans on Twitter were saying uh, De Gea was going to mop that up, but not for me. I think that McGinn gets there, and you know, uh, and it's a it's a shot on goal. It's a it's a it's a clear chance. So, yeah, the, I think Louise's Louise's levels uh, and uh, McGinn's levels have really um, you know been the sort the story of it so far this season. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned Matt Cash there as well. I think that three-five-two formation really suits him because it pay, plays to his strengths. You know, we didn't really see too much of his crossing ability at times last season. Yes, we did, but not not too much. But I think this allows him to get forward a lot more and, and get in those attacking areas. And we saw that with the with the chance he created with for Matty Target. He should have put it away, but yeah. again, been been outstanding. Um, and I think another thing that I um, I saw another stat was that Aston Villa attacked with the most direct speed this season and, and what does that mean so I was, I was looking at that I was like, quite intrigued by that stat um, and actually uh, reading into it it means it's, it's a measure of how quickly a team progresses the ball upfield so it's, it's measured by metres per second okay so I thought oh, that's quite interesting I thought last season we were quite direct as well and, and mm. quite quick to uh, attack but I think this, this, this season has been quite different in the way that we've done it so last season very much so would be a ball up to Watkins who would do very well, hold it up, and then allow Jack Grealish to get forward and get the ball in in areas up high up the pitch, and, and we attack from there. Whereas I think this season we played a lot more along the floor. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same. I think we played through midfield, and Dougie Louise and McGinn have been been key to that, and Ramsey as well, who's been bombing forward a lot and, and getting in those areas between the midfield and, and defence and making things happen as well. Yeah, I think if you look at the way we played last year, sure, we did knock balls into the channels for Watkins, but a lot of the time there'd be the the ball out of defence to the left wing. You know, target to Grealish, and then Grealish would carry it, get a foul, or, or create something. Um, but I think if you take that kind of Grealish carrying the ball out of the equation, we're moving the ball forward more quickly. Um, and obviously, Cash is going to be the primary beneficiary of that because we were, you know, we've we've talked about this a lot on the pod how we, we were a bit one-dimensional and going down the left all the time with Grealish, but. You know, Cash is getting a lot more of the ball this season, and I think that um, was it. Louise who threaded the pass through to him for Everton. That was uh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. For I mean, that goal, was yeah. What, yeah. what a ball and what a run and the way he took it in his stride, cut inside and was happy to lash it in with his left foot. I was screaming at him to pass, um, but yeah, I mean that's fantastic. And then and then we see similar, like you say, against Man U. It was a, it was a carbon copy. Play it out from the back, moving the ball through the lines. Uh, you know, with pace and purpose. Feeding cash in behind, and then you know, unlook target was a bit unlucky on the back stick because I think what happened was he thought the defender was getting a touch and it slightly put him off. Uh, I think, um, you know, nine times out of ten, he, he tucks that away. So, you know, if, if that's the kind of uh, model, uh, you know, we're going to be playing through the lines quickly, looking to get uh, cash and target in behind, um, then yeah, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. It's a different style of football to looking for Grealish to do, you know, his dribbling and his, his creativity. But nonetheless, I think it, it should be uh, exciting and hurt the opposition and, you know, make perhaps more than we did last year. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, excellent performance. Um, excellent win, obviously. Uh, long time coming. <laughs> you yeah. know, we've been waiting for that for a while, but that's the performance, I think, which is even more so impressive for me. And I'm so glad they missed the penalty as well. They made it sweeter, I think, uh, the fact that you finished like that. Uh, I think it's, it's after all the bad luck we've had against them, for them to get a penalty... In, in after we scored in the 88th minute for them to get a penalty in the 91st minute whatever it was and then to miss it just right you, know, you couldn't write it better to be honest you couldn't write it better and I don't know if you were you like me think do, in the bargaining stage 1-1's one, not bad you'd yeah, have taken yeah. it before yeah, the game yeah, yeah I did yeah I was you do that don't you as a fan you go well the performance was great you know, the performance was great <laughs> yep this is a positive yeah. it's yeah. not a positive we should be winning this yeah, uh, no it was, um, it was just fantastic and uh it's one of those situations where I suppose looking forward to Spurs now on the back of a result like that, the expectation is going to be super high for all those travelling fans on Sunday. But it's not exactly the happiest of hunting grounds for us. No. And, they, and they need a result. Which brings us on nicely. Thank you. Excellent. We're so good at segues in this pod. I really are. I think we're the best. If there was a segue award, I think we would win that. <laughs> um, but um, AJ's not here, so I'm going to take the take the responsibility of doing uh, the next segment which is Vital Statistics Ladies yeah! and Gentlemen Vital Statistics Vital Statistics What will the stats say? So I've got loads of stats for you I've, I'm sat it out 
I got, I got called Static Cash yesterday on the Villa View, which I think <laughs> I is a love great, it. great nickname. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to make that happen. I'm trying to make that stick. But if you look at the head-to-head, firstly, um, so Premier League record this is. Sorry, AJ. Uh, this is all I could get. I haven't had a chance to look at it properly. So this is what you're getting. So 52 games in the Premier League. Uh, Spurs have won 22. Villa won 15. Uh, Motion detected at the front door. There's my ring doorbell. Uh, Tottenham have won 10 of the past 12 league games against Aston Villa. Two losses. Though the two defeats have come in the the home games uh, against Villa. So April 2015, we beat them 1-0. And obviously... Oh, sorry, I've read that wrong. Yeah. No, sorry, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, getting confused there. So, yeah, for them at home... We've beaten them 1-0 against uh, in 2015 when Benteke scored. And then last year, obviously, with that excellent performance when uh, Ollie Watkins and uh, that own goal for an excellent pass from the Canberra as well. Um, sealed the deal. Um, we're looking to win consecutive games against Spurs for the first time since September 2008. And the last time we won consecutive away games against them was back in 1995. So... Again, another team where we don't have a great record uh, against. One player who does have a great record against Spurs is Danny Ings. Scored five goals in his last four games, obviously for, for Southampton. So hopefully it's a happy hunting ground for him uh, this season. But you're right, Spurs have uh, have been struggling big time. And I think expectations are from Villa fans for us to do well. Uh, Spurs this season so far, obviously started the season really well with, with top for a little bit. And then they've completely gone the other way uh, in the last few games. Uh, they've had 35 shots from open play, which is the worst in the league. They've had 30 shots from set pieces. Uh, they've, sorry, they've faced 30 shots from set pieces, which is the second worst in the league. Uh, they've had 71 shots from open play against them. So they've faced 71 shots, and that's the fifth worst in the league. And they've covered 99.9 metres in each game on average, which is the worst in the league. So not a great... It reminds me of Newcastle's stats from last season where they were the worst in everything. And even us in the first season back in the league where we were really bad at so many different metrics. That does not bode well for them, does it, at all? It doesn't, no. And I don't think that, um, you know, having the sort of best sort of beer-pouring system in the Premier League is going to be any kind of uh, consolation for them either, <laughs> yeah. um, which is which is a shame. But, no, I think that I think those numbers tell, tell their own story. And... I, even when I watched them against City in the first game, I mean, they defended fantastically. They were resolute. Um, obviously, Kane wasn't playing, but they they defended as a unit. Uh, and, you know, I thought, fair play to them for getting the win um, against City. But, um, yeah, they were awful against Arsenal at the weekend. I watched that uh, game. And for a derby, you're just thinking, there's no fight. There's no plan. Um, and their so-called big game players are not up for it. Mm. You know, and um, you, you're talking about Deli Ali, senior pro, seasoned in England international. He just didn't turn up. Kane was just completely anonymous and missed a, an easy chance. Son is the one player that you think is, is still playing and actually will cause us problems, and he has mm-hmm. done um, in the past in recent years. Um, but I, you know, I honestly think that if our if we turn up and put in a performance like we did against Man U, then we can take the points. But the, the but is, uh, you know, Kane scored a hat-trick last night. Is he feeling his way back into it? You know, obviously, if he if he uh, if he's in any sort of form and he gets a sniff, you know, he's going to put the ball away. So it's. I just think it's one of those games where you think, well, of course we're in form. Of course our numbers are better. Of course, uh, you know, we've just shown at Old Trafford that we can do a job uh, at a ground ground that, you know is traditionally not exactly a great place for us to go but I'm still worried um, it all seems the stars seem to be aligning too perfectly and, and I think that um, for me that I'd be that's such, a, such a typical Villa fan reaction which I completely get yeah. I'm, I'm exactly the same I'm, things are going too well yeah. something's going to go wrong well, that's it, and I, and I think that um, the, the the concern is that you know you don't become a bad team overnight. They've got good players. If they actually put in a shift, then that they, they we could lose the game. But the, but the fact of the matter is that you know I, I, I don't know. I know a lot of Spurs fans, and and they're already talking in terms of Nuno out. And I think that not wanting to give the guy a chance just gives you a sense of just how turgid they think the performances have been in the past few weeks. Or maybe it's a sign of how fickle Spurs fans are, but I don't know. But either way, um, you know, I, 
it's it's one of those games that I'd like to think we should win, but going to White Hart Lane, never easy. Kane could easily get a hat trick again. Who knows? Yeah. No, I agree, I agree. I think um there was a bit of conversation around, you know, the gap between Spurs and Villa now. Obviously it's been closed massively by Villa, yeah. uh, considering where we were. And obviously about ten, eleven years ago we were pretty much not neck and neck as such, but you know, we were there we were all fighting for the similar kind of positions, and um, obviously that that gap ma- uh, widened massively. And then you know, Villa have done amazingly to, to to shorten that gap. But also, Spurs have been relatively poor in terms of their recruitment and and how they've with the with the new stadium and what they've done in the last few years. You know, they've mm. definitely gone on the decline. So it's a, it's going to be a great match. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really confident as as most Villa fans are, but there's also that caveat that. <laughs> You know, things are going too well. It's it's it's, it's about time yeah. something goes wrong. What, what what do you think the uh, in terms of the result? What, what was your prediction? Yeah, I mean, I, I on what you just said, I think that um, to, to think that they were in the Champions League final, you know, two years ago, is uh, just seems mad now, doesn't it? I mean, and that just shows you how quickly things can 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 kind of deteriorate with a few a bad managerial appointment and a, a few players out of form and some bad recruitment, and before you know it. You've gone from being right at the top table to uh, you know being kind of crap lower mid table, and, and that's just how quickly it can go wrong. But anyway, yeah, my, I think if I was going to predict a score for uh, Sunday, despite the fact that you know uh, I've just said uh, it all seems to be going a bit too well, I think we can do it, and uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with two 0 Villa, and I think that Ings is going to score. And uh, I think that Watkins is going to open his account. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be two one. Uh, I think we'll, I think we'll press well. I think we'll perform well, um, and I think we can nick it. Uh, and I think I'm going to go for a Watkins brace two one. Great, thank you. And then uh, last but not least, it's time for the Villa Vault. Villa Vol. Yeah, so uh, this is a game I remember very well because uh, I lived in uh, I lived in Stoke Newington at the time, and I remember walking home after the after the game uh, from White Hart Lane, shell shocked. I just couldn't believe what I'd seen, um, which might give you a bit of a clue. But uh, we're going back to the first of October, so it's exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, the 1st of October 2007. Yeah, so exactly 14 years ago. Um, what do you think was the, what was the score on the evening of the 1st of October 2007, Omar? I remember it well. It was 4-4 and I remember throwing the TV, throwing the remote at my TV uh, in disgust. And I was, in, I was living in Nottingham at the time with, uh, with a mate of mine from uni. And uh, he's, he loves football, but he doesn't support a team, which is a bit of a weird thing, but... He was um, he was almost in tears for me that game because it was their birthday, wasn't it? It was uh, we were That's singing. Villa fans were singing happy birthday to Spurs. I remember because we were winning four one or whatever it was. And when we were winning four one, singing happy birthday to them was. Uh, I mean, it was. Uh, it turns out that it was hubristic from the Villa fans, um, but <laughs> yeah. at the time it was. It felt great. Yeah. Um, but it was a really strange game. I mean, well, I don't know if you remember who scored the goals and in what order they went in. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, Larson. Two, Gabby yeah. and Gardner. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And what about for them? Oh God! I remember Berbatov opened. Berbatov one nil. Berbatov one nil. I'm trying to remember who else. Defoe. I'm sure Defoe scored. He always scores. No, no. Did not. So who scored? We were four one up, as you say. Oh, Eunice was... Kabul. I knew Eunice Kabul scored the equaliser. Yeah, I remember that's that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we were four one up until uh, the 69th minute, when um, when Ch- Chimbonda. Uh, yes what seemed to be a consolation goal and then actually all right we're a bit concerned but 13 minutes passed and you're thinking okay we're fine now all right and then in the 82nd minute uh Tottenham get a pen which is converted by uh Robbie Keane um and then uh right at the death I don't know if you remember the goal it was a corner that we should have cleared yeah yeah I remember Uh, here here, where it was actually started before that because Haywood had it in the corner uh in Spurs' corner, and yeah. he tried to, he tried to play it out off the defender, yeah. but completely missed it. That's um, right. And yeah, he, he came. I think he came on the last five minutes and just had an absolute shocker. 
Yeah. Not that it was his fault entirely, but it didn't help. I don't think. That's right. And Kabul, uh, if you remember, it was a, it was a it wasn't a header even. It was a shot. He slammed it in. Yeah, it was a volley, um, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, four one, and you uh, stuffed it up. They sang or, or something like that. It sounded a bit like that. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it was a really tough w- walking home, thinking how on earth has that happened from four one up to four all. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. It was, a, and that was a, the second of another four-four. We, we drew four-four with Chelsea around that time, so we were treated yeah. to some real great games. But for me, the the real big memory I have of that game, other than the result and the happy birthday, is just how good this young left back they had called Gareth Bale was. Um, and I, I remember Melberg was just following him round, and he couldn't get anywhere near him. And at the time, I think Bale had never uh, won a game in a Tottenham shirt. Yeah, and I think they nearly sold him to Birmingham. Yeah, they um, did, yeah at, yeah. at one stage. So McLeish nearly bought him, didn't he? That's Pretty right. Sure. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, he was unplayable. I remember uh, Tom Waterman, who uh, sometimes of the pod, uh, was stood next to me um, watching the game at Tottenham. And it was just like, how good is Bale? And I'm like, I know, we cannot stop him. He was incredible. I think that must have been his first ever good game for Tottenham. But uh, yeah, he yeah. certainly had plenty more after. Yeah, I remember his record. I remember his uh, well talked about record, the fact that they'd never won a game with him. But obviously he's gone to greater things but yeah I mean I remember that game really well and uh, I still think about it sometimes <laughs> it was so I was still so annoyed about that and I think yeah, yeah. I remember Chelsea with the Boxing Day game I think it was 4-4 which was a great game which were, that was us coming back from being down as well so obviously we were up 2-0 I think and then eventually yeah. down 4-3 maybe or 4-2 and then came back so yeah yeah, great That we scored loads of goals that season that was mm-hmm. um, yeah that was a great season I really enjoyed that really I mean the 5-1 I think it's against Birmingham City that season as well no, and epic. the Derby Derby game 6-0 there's so many good games in that, that season yeah, yeah. it was, a, great it was an outstanding season yeah great yeah great memory thanks for that Sam uh, well let's hope we treat us to goals but this time we end up on the, on the winning side uh, this weekend we'll be back uh, with the post-match rant from the guys who are at the game so look out for that probably be out on Monday because obviously the game's on Sunday and uh, and then the boys hopefully will be recovered and back. Uh, AJ's currently loading apparently, so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he's all right, if uh, if Carl's pain free, then they'll they'll be back. Uh, maybe not next because it's obviously international break, isn't it? So maybe not next week. Maybe the week after when we will preview the uh, Wolves game. Preview Sam, Wolves, thanks for all your efforts this week, mate. Uh, you've uh, you've held the, the the pod up on your shoulders and uh, got us through here. I think. Uh, so thank you for that and uh, thank you guys for listening as always please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on Uh, and please do follow us on twitter at villa podcast or one word where we do all our social media stuff really Uh, this pod is sponsored by me bay digital so please follow them as well local birmingham based business who are uh, excellent on the digital marketing side so website design seo stuff marketing all that kind of good stuff they're they're at the forefront of all of that. So if you ever need any help on that front, then please do check them out. And uh, apart from that, thanks, Sam, again. Thanks for listening and uh, up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. I love it.